What's going on, on everyone? Welcome to the Volleyball Source Podcast. My name is Everett Lorm. It is uh, Wednesday, March thirty first. Again, I know I just recorded one, but today I, I, I had to. I had to talk to this lady in front of me. Um, she is a former national team player. You were part of the, the national team system. A former national champion with the Trinity Western Spartans. A former pro player as well, playing in Germany and in Finland. And now she is back at home in BC, starting a coaching revolution. It is Vanessa Cornwall. Vanessa, how are you? How's it going? It's been a while since I've seen you. How are you doing? It has been a while. As I said, last time I saw you was when you were in Richmond a little bit a few years ago. No, no, uh, I, like, like 2000 and like maybe 2020. I, I saw you at her, her league. You're right. In like Dave, 20, in 2020. Yeah. Dave and I were talking about her league today and how we saw you there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, right? it's been the last year has been a learning curve for me, just kind of figuring out going from the playing side of it to the coaching side of it and learning. It's been, it's been a lot. It's been amazing. I, love where I am right now and it's made the transition from playing super easy not even gonna lie it's made it super easy the kids are awesome I love what I do and I yeah I want to do it for the rest of my life so, so like no hesitation it seems like you've just jumped right into the coaching world and it's like no hesitance like nothing being like I, I, I wish I was still playing pro no and don't get me wrong I, I enjoy playing I enjoy playing still I wish we could and I'm excited for the day that adults can play again and we can kind of get that adult side going. Um, but right now I'm just, I'm all in on the kids and it's, yeah, it's been awesome. That's great. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about you uh, first um, mm-hmm. because I've always, I've always been so interested in your path through this sport. Because and it, like you've talked about it, how you changed your position was it going into eighteen U to be a setter because like you thought you would be more effective about that. So like you know I've I've talked about about it with you kind of one on one, but I'd lo- I know it's a story that so many of our my listeners would love to hear about. So I kind of like to know about that decision and, and how it led to where you are now. Yeah, so I think uh, when I first started playing, I was definitely a soccer player. I was just an athlete, uh, so I picked up the game pretty easily and that's something we'll touch on later um but i picked up on it pretty easily and i um i played when i started in grade seven um and when i started i kind of just played a filler role um and then throughout my years i kind of got stuck in that filler role so whatever a position a team needed me to play i would i would play there um which resonate i resonate with all of that so much that was me to the t exactly in soccer as well and, and there's there's pros and cons to it. There's there's some positive and there's some negative. Um, but yeah, so I, I always wanted to be a setter. Um, I was always told like whenever I got the chance out of system uh, to take second ball, people would always like be like, oh, she has nice hands. Why is she hitting? <laughs> um, but yeah, so then finally through Team BC, my experience in Team BC, I got to set a little bit more. But during club and up until yeah U18, I was right side. Uh, there was one year where I played middle, but that was really young. Um, and then, yeah, it wasn't until how tall are you? You because you're five ten. Five, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Well, not quite tall enough. Yeah, I mean, as as I'm, sh- were you the early grower? Were you like at like 15 years old? You were five ten type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I had some height from a pretty young age. Fair enough. Um, yeah, and then I, I seeked out a team in a U18 where I would I would have the opportunity to set, um, and so I got that chance. And I the reason I kind of made that change was because um, I committed to Trinity Western already. So I committed to Trinity Western and I remember having the conversation with Ryan Hofer, like, so what position um, will I be playing? He's like, setter. And I was like, oh, so I should probably go learn how to set. 
Um, so I, yeah, I left my last year, went to a different club and I trained as a setter. And that was, yeah, that was huge in my development. It, I think it had to happen. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have got the playing time that I did. In so what club was that? Were you playing at FEVC? Yeah. So my last year I did FEVC Blitz in grade 12. Oh, okay. That's, and you went before you were at Ducks. Is that it? Yeah, I was with Ducks. Um, there was one year where I made Ducks my first year. The second year, I didn't make the team, so I went to Focus, and that's when I played middle. Uh, okay. And that's another like quick story is when I when I didn't make the team and I went to play for Focus, I stuck. I was about fourteen years old, and I stuck around after every practice and watched the U eighteen team play. And I think my dad says to this day that is the reason you were good was because you just stuck around. You watched the older girls play. Finally, I don't know if you know him, uh, Wes, he does a lot of indoor and beach still um, out in Vancouver. And he actually, he's, he was the coach at the time for that U18 team. And I remember one day he came over to me and my dad because we had asked if we could watch and he was totally fine with it. And then one day he was like, do you want to play? And I was like, with that, with girls that are like three, four years older than me, sure, why not? Um, so yeah, my dad still claims that as to be like kind of the, the switch that went off for me. From that, that Wes Webb? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. That, that, that's great. Love the love. The, I love the community. I'm I, serendipitously. I'm wearing a volleyball BC shirt. I promise. I did not wear this for you or you know to you know be biased. I just put this on this morning. I did another podcast today. You can check. I'm wearing the same shirt. I I, I promise. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of the story in terms of position. And then even when I was at Trinity Western, there was some talk about running a six-two, but it never happened. Uh, set and I enjoyed setting. I, I loved it. And I guess like my long term was to set, so I had no real no interest in actually swinging when I was there. Um, and then I went to Germany, and I still I set my whole time in Germany. And then when I was in Finland, I got the opportunity to swing again. So it was a few years later. It came full circle and I got to swing professionally as well. So that was in terms of coaching, I'm so thankful for like, it was, it was just great to be on that side again, you know? But, and I mean, you just posted about it. Was it like today or yesterday you posted on Instagram, how you scored four, like four, how you scored 14 points in, in a game. And like, that's crazy how you can go from being like the starting setter. And that's, I've always known you as a setter. When I saw you play for team BC at the Canada games and then for Trinity Western after that, you were all, always a setter. Um, so I remember that happening at the time and you posting about it and, and talking about it. It was like, Oh damn, like, you know, Cornwall's got some skill out there. I like it. <laughs> It, it really, and I think um, coaching youth now, I do a, a lot of work just like in terms of decision making um, and smart plays because I found like I'm an undersized attacker, right? So when I'm hitting, I can't just hit straight down. It doesn't work like that. Obviously, there's the odd ball that's perfect set and I got a hole in the block. Okay, I'll rip on it. But outside of that, when I have a solid four hands, I'm going to hit hands. And I find at the younger ages, we often teach athletes to be scared of the block. I want my athletes to hit the block and get comfortable hitting it. So that's been something that I've done a lot of in my gym, just from my experience being an undersized attacker. And I think we have a lot of undersized athletes. That's what we get. You know, we get some under, mostly undersized and we get the odd one that's, that's tall. <laughs> um, so we're try trying to teach those younger ones how to, how to make it. Interesting. So before we jump into your coaching philosophies, which is like, that's going to be the meat and potatoes here. I do kind of want to chat about your journey because you just said that like you were always that that tweener player, you know, that that filler player. What what part of that that transition to a setter allowed you to become like you know, from being a player that kind of just fits into where you need to become the most like the, you know, the most relied on player on the team. And not only did you do that well, but you thrived at that position. You, you know, I mentioned your time at the Canada Games. You got a bronze medal there um, with Team BC. No, 
silver medal uh, uh, with, 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 with Team BC. Uh, lost to Team Alberta in the finals in Sherbrooke back in 2013. Uh, won a national championship uh, back at the University of Toronto. Was that 2015? Yeah. Yeah. Tw- t- so 20 in, in, in 2015, uh, how did you make that transition from being a player, you know, that like you just started setting in 18U to leading championship teams? I think the most beneficial part was that I understood attackers. I understood what they needed, what had to change from one set to another. I understood the communication that was required from a setter. Now, with that said, I also found because I was such, I was that athlete that was like just taken and put wherever the, as a filler, wherever they needed me, I kind of just shut up and did my job. So on the court, I think that transferred into my gameplay where I just kind of do my job. I wasn't always the most, I didn't communicate a ton. I didn't, I wasn't always the most energetic on the court because I was just doing my job, right? Wherever that was, I would do my job. So I think that was the biggest, the toughest part was that I was always trying to figure it out, figure out where I was and get perfect at that. And I never got the chance to really find myself on the court, if that makes sense. So I think if, honestly, if I had another two, three years, especially after coaching, I, I have to be that person that's like in a private lesson, for example, you're one-on-one with a kid. Odds are the kid's a little bit nervous working with someone who has kind of made it in Canada. Um, so you really have to be the person that brings the energy. And I never had to be that person on the court. So I almost think if I had played another two years after coaching, I think those would be my better years because I think I would be more of a presence on the court. I definitely could see that. I think that's so natural for, for athletes to get even better after they start coaching. That's why I'm such a huge proponent as like, you know, for me in, in an ideal world as like a 17U, 18U athlete, you should already be coaching, you know, at, at the younger ages. You should be coaching the the little kids. And I mean, that's the way I was when I was, six, you know, I was like 16 years old. I was coaching soccer because much like you, I was I was soccer first. I started playing soccer at, at four years old. My, you know, my email in high school was soccer underscore guy. Um, so... So, uh, you know, I, I definitely understand that and resonate. And it's, I think it's so impactful when you start coaching and when you start thinking about it. And it's, it's such a known thing, too. The best way to learn a skill is to teach it, right? Teach it, you know it, right? That's what they say. <laughs> 100%. And I've seen that light bulb moment with kids when they're helping out other athletes or they're helping out teammates and they start explaining it. They're like, oh, my God, I get it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's huge. It's funny you say that because we actually just a couple of weeks ago, I was chatting with Dave and talking about the same thing. How do we get athletes involved? And like, there's been a lot of talk about female coaches. How do we get them going at a young age? So we actually just the other week started up a coaching mentorship program here. And so athletes spend, it's about 20 hours with me in the gym, just working alongside me, learning drills, learning coaching tactics. Um, essentially just like getting exposed to it. Cause we have a lot of athletes that are quiet that are doing it. I'm like, this is perfect for you. You just need to learn, get that confidence a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, they spend 20 hours with me, they get a certificate. And then if they want to apply in the summer for actual positions, they use that towards it. So it's kind of just, it's interactive. And it like, I love it because I get to spend a few extra hours with the kids on the side as well. I get to Interesting. kind of mentorship as well. What are some, what are the, like kind of like the first things that you focus on when you're mentoring these kids? Yeah, I think, The first thing is a lot of them, you have to be two years older than the group you're helping with. Um, So a lot of them are helping with like minis. Um, And those, I would say the biggest thing for minis is that I found, I think for me, um, in the beginning, I had, I had honestly had a hard time coaching minis in the beginning. Um, And I think that's, that's a fear for a lot of us is like, how do you play volleyball with 
little kids, it's hard. You can't just dribble a ball. It's hard. Um, so it was a, that was a learning curve for me and figuring out what do they like? What keeps them engaged? So I think with uh, the coaching mentorship crew, the kids that are in with me, it's really teaching them at the beginning. You really just got to get them to like love the sport and have fun. And there's certain tactics that I've learned and kind of teaching them those tactics as to how to do it. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the biggest thing because they're helping me with the really young ones right now. So I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest focus is just like, let's get them energized. Let's have fun in here. Let's make it a good experience so they want to come back. Well, that's at, really at that point too, you're almost teaching just more so functional movement in a volleyball sense, right? Yeah. You're not you're not even necessarily teaching them how to pass or how to volley and stuff like that. It's more so understanding the movement patterns of the games and understanding how to, you know, move off of each other, but then also understand how to play with a ball in a way that they've never played before. Physical literacy in general, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Throwing agility, moving your feet, like that's all, yeah. It doesn't need to be volleyball, volleyball, because that's, that's hard and that's the reality. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. It is very hard. So that's that's super interesting. I mean, we're, we're already into it, so we can we can just jump jump right into it now. Your minis. What what program? How young does this program start for the minis? Well, right now, um, in the winter, we didn't really didn't have minis. We went down to level one, so we kind of have a few levels: level one, level two, level three, um, and we've added now minis. Um, and that's kind of from five to eight, five to nine, just new coming newcomers um and we kind of we want to get there as early as soccer like we're saying like you said you started at four i started at five that, that's kind of the sport that you get thrown into versus i find volleyball is often way later any athlete i've spoken to if i were to ask them hey why do you play volleyball what introduced you to volleyball who introduced you to it it's always someone or something or a sibling or a parent or a teacher mm-hmm. it's not it's never the same as soccer where it's like yeah i just started playing soccer i had no reason start playing soccer when I was five. It was just, that's the sport you're going to go into. Um, if you were to ask me, why did I start playing? Who introduced me? It was in grade seven. I had a teacher that was like, Hey, you're athletic. You're a group of friends. Let's get you guys to play school. And then you will play club. I didn't know club was a thing. Right. So it's, it's just not as, it's not as exposed, I think. Um, and then we also like, there's, I think the other big issue is just that there's a lack of gym time and a lack of like private facilities. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is like we, we kind of rely, we rely on teachers a lot um, in elementary schools to expose the sport. Um, and I think- Which we is kinda, both great and awful at the same time. Exactly, yeah. I love it. They did it for me, so yay, but can we do better? <laughs> when, when, I, when I worked at Volleyball Canada, this is literally a decade ago, I remember sitting around the lunch table and the current- um, development or national national development coordinator, uh, man of the Doug Anton was saying, like, you know, it's great. We have the benefit of everyone being taught volleyball in grade seven and you know in school in like grades two and three. And in my head, I was like, well, at that, that point, I was already playing hockey and soccer, right? I knew what baseball was, I knew what basketball was, didn't really know what volleyball was. But then, second of all, you're getting taught by these coaches; they don't know what volleyball is. So, yeah. and then. That's another- and then the mm-hmm. third thing is is that you're playing with these rock solid balls and that like because everyone's first memory of volleyball is a terrible one it's my arms hurt it's hard it's this isn't fun and then that just turns it off them so i i'm not wrong if i were to pass a few balls right now my arms would probably hurt too yeah. <laughs> not wrong yeah we have we definitely have volley lights and we have like one that's lighter than that like some orange and blue ball i don't even know those didn't exist in the 90s mm-hmm. yeah Yeah. So I I think, yeah, we kind of rely on gym teachers and then it's, 
you got to think like after school programs, they kind of run like from four to six o'clock. And then if you were to run minis at schools afterwards, not in a private facility, um, it's going to start at six or seven. And by the time you're done, it's, it's, it's bedtime for them. Right. And because of that, our priority kind of goes to the athletes that have already played or already have experience. And we focus on the higher performance crew. And those are the ones that get all the attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of mentioned it earlier. Do we have, do we have any coaches that are full-time youth development coaches? Not enough from my perspective, right? I think, I think we should, I think our, you said it before as well, like um, the teachers that are teaching it don't know the sport. I think our best teachers need to be younger. Like some of our best should be down there with the, with the younger. I, I a hundred percent agree with you um, mm-hmm. because, and like throughout my, my time in volleyball, it's been always such a, a constant talk, like high performance, high performance. We've got to focus on high performance. And at what point are we sharpening like the, the sword too much, right? Well, at what point are we like making ourselves weaker because we are just focusing on high performance and we're not developing as well. Much like yourself, like I come from like a house league soccer system where at four years old, I was wearing Timbits across my chest and playing and playing soccer, you know, every single weekend, much like the same, same, same thing as hockey. How do we get that same model? And like, that's, that's the thing is that like from the ages, like, you know, four to 18, you have kids playing hockey and soccer and now basketball as, as well too, baseball and, and, and softball, but at, at just a recreational level without any aspirations whatsoever to go play university without any aspir like no need to play, pay all this money and have all these practices to play in the volleyball BC or volleyball Ontario, whatever it may be like weekly, like why, like growing up when I played so- up until 10 years old, I played house league soccer. It was one practice, one game a week. Same thing with hockey. Why don't we have that for volleyball? Yeah. It's something, it's something that needs to change. And I think the biggest thing is just realizing that having, it's not going to hurt us. I, I think a lot of us think that if, if we do it, it's going to, it's going to hurt us. It's going to impact us in a negative way. But the truth is, is soccer's not hurt because they start at four or five years old. They benefit from it. We need to realize that we will benefit from starting at a younger age. I think that's where it starts is just realizing like this is a good thing. This will help us. And, and I mean, I think it's important you, you mentioned to you using the volley lights like for so long, like growing up in soccer, we used like a size three, a ball, a size four ball, moving up to the size five. Even before playing six aside, you play with cones and it's four aside. And I mean, I, I remember a while too, maybe these weren't the greatest, but Soccer Canada made it where it's like scoring goals wasn't that focused on or to score a goal, you need to like stop the ball in the end zone to prove that you had control. You know, so maybe like I remember coaching grade three volleyball for a, a private school here in Toronto and just being so frustrated because they expected us to play six on six. You'd have 30 kids on the team and you had to r- rattle them all through. And that was volleyball to them. So no one was having a good experience. You'd get in for your six point, you know, your 12 points, miss serve, miss serve, miss serve, miss serve. Maybe you get it over once. And that was that was volleyball to them. And mm-hmm. it, it was frustrating because at practice you could we could play four on four like we could do very or like modified gameplay to allow them to actually play volleyball and that's where they had fun not when we actually got to kept playing the games yeah and i think for me like what i've learned it took me about into our third friday session uh to realize like they love cones they love props they love like just anything to make it fun right so we have like these big dots on the ground and they'll stand at the net and shuffle over get to the dot jump up and down open with their right foot turn and run so we're teaching like the proper movements in the, the game, right? But it's not as specific as later on, but they'll, they'll know the movements. They'll be comfortable with the movements. And when they actually learn it, when they reach a certain age, it'll be easy, right? So 
I love drills like that that involve kind of cones to show where they have to run and how to turn, open up and transition. Um, just anything that like, again, just makes it a little bit more fun, a little bit more interactive, more movement. Because again, when there's volleyball, the reality is that the rally's not going to last very long at a young age if you're not including a bounce or whatever. So the movement has to be there. They have to be engaged by moving. If they're just standing there and the ball, like you're saying, miss or miss or miss or it's not fun. Right. So I think getting them in there and just sweating, right. Finding ways to make them move is really important. What are like, what, like break it down for us. Like, what do you think are like the best ways to get the movement? Like what's your go-to drill activity? Like wh- what is it? Hmm. I don't even know what you would call it. Touch and go maybe. Uh, passing one would be kind of where you start at the T line. Uh, so one individual athlete starts at the T line, a coach is tossing over from the other side of the net. And then you have a target on the same side as the athlete that's working and they kind of run and they touch the, the corner uh, and then they run in the court and pass the ball. And it's a fast rotation, right? If you miss your pass, it doesn't matter. But we're just trying to get you to be aggressive and pass the ball. And it's really getting them to move and kind of, uh, we make them, we often make them communicate. So we'll make them like count to them to get 30 passes in the group. And they'll just be yelling like one, two, three, as they're going. And it's like, it's almost, it, it's heartwarming from my perspective. I love it. When, it, when kids are like engaged, I had one girl, uh, we had a Friday night lights program and it was all for, Originally, it was just athletes with very little experience, only school experience. Um, so we had a few athletes that were very young, and then we had some that were older. And we try to keep them together for a majority of the drills when it's individual. And then when it gets to the gameplay, we'll kind of split them up. And um, this one little kid, she wasn't super engaged. And then we did one of these drills where same kind of thing. You touch the end line, run into the next cone, touch the end line, pass the ball, run the next cone. And she, I said, okay, we're gonna do it one more time each. And she was like, yay. And I was like, I was not, this is a drill that I wouldn't like doing. If you made me run like that for a minute, I'd be like, this sucks. <laughs> but for them, they were like, this is so much fun. They're interactive. It didn't matter about the result. Right. And I think, I think that's kind of, we have to like almost distract them from the result and just make them love the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I remember doing touch 10 with kids, obviously like a modified version of it. And they absolutely loved it because then for them, like, you know, we weren't making them dive. Like we weren't, we weren't killing them. Like you, you would do to club kids or, or older, older kids like that. We like challenge a hundred percent. And it just, I always found that if you challenge the kids and made them kind of pass the ball while do something, it taught, it took, took away the, the, um, why am I blanking so hard? Um, like the hardness or, or like the intimidation of having to pass that ball because hmm. so many times if you just like stand the kid there like throw them the ball like pass back to me it's it's so intimidating like at the end of the day passing a volleyball is it's not an inherent skill that we have as mm-hmm. humans we're not you know it's not like catching or throwing and you have to learn it and it's an intimidating skill at first i've always found that if you get them to do it while doing something else they almost forget about that part because they're enthralled and you know trying to touch the 10 balls or exactly like touching the cone or whatever it is yeah no and i think like even the other day i had a friend join me for the friday night lights at the beginning uh just because again i wasn't super confident with it i was like i need some help here and so she came in at the beginning and then she came in a few weeks ago um and she was like nikki they're completely different they, they keep the ball up Right. So the beginning, you're starting with these things. You're saying, oh, the focus isn't necessarily on the result. And then slowly, okay, well, you need to pass that ball a little bit higher. Your, your arms need to be straighter when you pass. Your platform needs to be stronger. You start to add those things in slowly. But if you kind of overwhelm them with it all at the beginning, then, yeah, we're training them to be so focused on that end goal. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. How much do you – like? how much do you divide it between like structured drilling more or less and like maybe loose gameplay? at that level yeah at that level i would say it's definitely more 
more drill based, but I try to make them all fun. Mm-hmm. They're all like, and the drill base can have com- competition within them. Um, it's not always just boring drills, like past 30 balls. It's, it's how many can you serve until like we did, uh, some target practice serving. We had a bunch of hula hoops on the ground. You got certain points for hitting it in those. Um, it's all, yeah, there's always kind of an end goal. There's always, um, we try to get some competition in there towards the end of the actual drills. So they kind of stay engaged. Um, then I would say the last, again, the minis minis, I would say if we're like a two hour session, probably last like 30 minutes of kind of gameplay, but it's always modified, whether it's a allowing a bounce or a catch or something like that um and again just to see the improvement and i think they also like to see it too right um i think that yeah when we at the beginning we weren't doing too much gameplay and then finally it was like all right let's go let's do this let's let's get you guys touching the ball and keeping it alive and you get penalized if you don't and even last week uh we had some cameras out and stuff and we were like this is actually some pretty good ball like it was exciting so that's yeah good things coming hopefully that's awesome. Now, what what are what are you guys doing about net height? Where where are you starting with net height and stuff? So it's funny. We I said that uh, recently. Too. I was like, maybe we should lower them. We've been playing high. We've been playing women's. So we have uh, in our facility tennis have, net, tennis height. Yeah. No, we we drop it depending on what's kind of going on. But we have so six courts here, and the three nets on one side are like all attached. So if I were to drop it, I gotta drop all three. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. That's not, that's not. So for me, I'm like, it doesn't bother them. It really doesn't. They don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, the couple last couple of weeks, just with, well, Bonnie Henry's new announcements and stuff, we've gone down to two courts just to have more spacing. Um, and when we have two courts, it's easy. So we just drop them last week, the week before that. And they've, they've loved it. They've been having a great time. They're seeing, again, when you train on a higher net and then you drop it, they're like, oh, I can hit it over. And they're, they're loving it. It's great. So. Yeah, we definitely, I'd say we've been training them at a higher net. I think when we have, when we have like full-time minis, we'll definitely start dropping it. But when we were kind of just starting, it was, let's throw them in the fire. They'll have a great time. And they've been doing great. So have you done any research into like spike ball and what they've been doing in the, in the Netherlands? Spike ball, smash ball. Yeah. Yeah. Smash ball. That's what I meant. Spike ball. Spike ball is the game that you play with the, you know, bros play in the park on on a Saturday. There you go. <laughs> We're trying to get that going too. No. Dude, I, um, I actually love spike ball in terms because it's it's basically volleyball. It's three contacts worth working with a teammate. Instead of going over the net, you go into the net. But it's like for beach camps and stuff like that, it's hundred percent it's it's fantastic. I love spike ball as a warm up uh, for volleyball. Yeah. I had a hard time playing it. A little tiny target trying to ugh, tiny ball. Drove me nuts, but I guess hey, it makes it better. Um but yeah, what was the question before that? Remind me. Smash ball. Have you have you done any research? You know, do you develop anything based off that research? We actually we did have a program running on Sundays for a little while. Um, smash ball, um, and that's kind of where you you train and play. So the first hour is training, second hour is playing. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's it's great. I I just love the kids getting in there and being young and touching the ball. Um, I think. I think it's a good it's a good setup for sure. I think we definitely need more touches. Like you're kind of saying, like the twice a week thing versus like an hour uh, hour of training and then hour of gameplay once a week. Don't think it's quite enough. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's great. Yeah. Fair enough. More the merrier. <laughs> like what? So what other kind of um, strategies are you guys employing to 
get more kids involved at, at a younger age? And how are you seeing that effect? Like, are, maybe you're not seeing that effect yet follow through. Maybe not you personally, but, you know, maybe someone like David has, has seen that. By the way, real quick, we are talking about David Carrasco, who uh, is uh, the owner of the Volleybox in Vancouver. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, he's the big boss with the whole the nice setup. Yeah, and that and that's where where you practice. You you can you can rep the merch a little bit on on your chest there. Yeah. There you go. Um, they are absolutely massive on TikTok. Uh, yes, we is like a legitimate TikTok star. Uh, yes. and now it's it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. We we just yeah, I showed up here yesterday and she was doing a bunch of advertisements and stuff for us. And yeah, some of the video quality just looks great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You, guys, you guys are figuring out but it, it's been great because recently you guys have been posting a bunch of videos how like you know Brie King was in your gym for a little bit and of course she just got third place at the Athletes Unlimited Kira yeah. Van Rijk of the women's national team was in there I, I uh, on my Volleyball Source account that's if you guys are watching this go follow Volleyball Source on TikTok we've got about 40 followers so far so we're, we're real close to volley, Volleybox at their you know almost half a million I think you, you guys are at yeah, yeah. Uh, um but uh, you guys, like, it, it seems like you guys are building a, a pretty cool, like, community over there. And I remember, you know, last time I talked to David at the, at the Her League, right before the world shut down, he, that was right before the Volleybox opened up. So I'm, it's really cool to see that already it's starting to have an, such a big impact. Yeah, we, we, have, we definitely, like, last summer we had a ton of high-performance athletes in here from pro, Team Canada, local universities. Um and it was awesome. And I think the, that's kind of what won me over. So I was running privates in here last summer, but I wasn't employed by Volleybox. And I just fell in love with like with the community. It was like you, we'd have kids on in one court and then you'd have like Rio Riley and Kira Van Rijk on another. And to me, that's, that's it right there. And that's what it's all. I think all these things go hand in hand. We're talking about running more minis and getting those involved and focusing on that. But it really does develop to the Brio Riley and Kira Van Rijk, we hope one day, right? So it's not that we're not, we're going away from high performance. We're still a high performance facility, but we are going to give more attention to the younger ones. We realize that that is the develop is important for development, especially for volleyball in BC. Canada. Well, I mean, uh, you can focus on, on just BC on, in the lower main. I'm guessing it's not really Vancouver. Technically it's like more so the lower mainland Langley. That's kind of it's Cloverdale, so the border between Surrey and Langley area. Okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. So it's a little bit it's a little bit closer to uh, to to the city than than uh, say the Langley Event Center or something like that. Yeah, but we we've had we've had Shannon Windsor out here a couple times. Um, so we yeah we're definitely we're just trying to be interactive, and I I find a lot of there's not a lot of private facilities for volleyball in general. Um, so it's just a matter of making those connections, making those relationships, and just trying to better each other rather than being so focused on ourselves yeah because it is it really is about the development and the kids so why not will uh david's club academy be running out of volleybox um once they start things back up yeah so we we're we're able to run club so we've been running club for a while we've had um it's a club cohort this year so we have four different club teams uh one of which is academy um, and they train here Monday through Thursday with one, it was supposed to be a game on the weekend, but it's just a practice slot because we're not allowed to play games. Um, but yeah, so Academy is training out of here. Yeah. To answer your question. Fantastic. That's, that's great. Now back, back to kind of some of our, our, our development stuff. I had to, I had to get the plug in there uh, for, for Volleybox while, while I, while I had you on, uh, especially since, you know, you've been talking about like, we do this and we're doing that and we never really established who we was, but, uh, um, mm-hmm what's what are your thoughts on four on four 
and its possibility of linking maybe up to like a 12U level type thing. Mm-hmm. More touches. That's, that's like when you said four, I, I hear more touches. 100%. Um, if you're getting three touches a rally, that's three out of four people touching it versus on 6v6, half touch it if everybody touches it, right? Which isn't always the case. Some people are ball hogs, which isn't a bad thing. I like aggressive athletes. Um, but yeah, I think I think 4v4 is a positive thing. You just get more touches, the better. Like that when you ask like gameplay, do we do gameplay with the minis? Yeah, a lot of it is, it's not 6v6, Right. And that's, and it's for the purpose of getting more touches to me. Like I really, I do believe that once you're trained the proper way, it's how many touches you're going to get in the next couple of years, as many touches as you can, um, whether that be in your backyard or be in the gym, touch the ball. And so I think that's definitely, yeah, that's definitely a positive thing for me for. Cause here in Ontario, we employ like triple ball, which is, I, I find it's all right, but it's, I find it's very static because you get that first ball just tossed right to you and mm-hmm. everyone's just very staying there and mm-hmm. i know some people love it because yes you are taking away the serve but for mm-hmm. me i think i would love to see us more go like a soccer route where like you go from sixes to twelves or sixes to elevens right and you play from like mini volley like i i think it'd be feasible to run volleyball from like eight u to twelve u four on four on a badminton court like badminton yeah. net and I think that you could legitimately run like you could almost have it with a league where you have like teams of six or seven and they get their same color jerseys. They get Timbits across if we can get Tim Hortons as, as, a, as a sponsor. If not, maybe we find, you know, maybe Dunkin Donuts will, will, will jump in. You know, who, who knows? Duncan's huge on TikTok. So maybe we get Kalissa talking to Duncan, right? It's, it's already in the works. Don't worry, David, like get it, get it going, right? But uh, that to me, right, like right now, we got focused so much on high performance. And to me, one of the biggest reasons that we've gotten, like we've gotten to our women being the, some of the best in the world in beach volleyball. Our women's national team is on the up. Look at what our women are doing around the, the world right now with Kira Van Rijk, Alexa Gray, Bree King, Shauna Joseph, like Jen Cross, the list goes on and on. Our men's national team is a, like a top eight team in the world and has changed. Like we have done enough on, on nothing, right? Like we have no base to play off and we've had all of the success. Imagine if we doubled our user base at those younger ages, even if 75% of them didn't, didn't keep on playing until, you know, a college or 18 U or, or whatever it may be, that other 25% would still have a massive impact on what we're producing in terms of quality at the high performance level. And you kind of said it when we were chatting earlier, just we're putting all our eggs in one basket. And I kind of said, well, why not have more eggs? We could just have more eggs. 100%. <laughs> like, I think that's, yeah, I think that's the angle is just bring it. Like, let's have as many athletes exposed to the game as possible. And I think, I think that's something that people are starting to realize and people are starting to try to implement a little bit more. Um, and I hope over the next kind of five years, decade, that we start to see the, the benefits of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like... Uh- on a completely selfish side too, it's a great idea for clubs to be getting into the house league model where you're just trying to get in as many kids as possible, like underneath the age of the 10, because it's going to be a cash cow. You don't need to like, you can pay coaches like a, a decent amount, but if you've got 45 kids in a gym spread out across four courts, like that's mm-hmm. going to, that's going to like build up your coffers. Maybe you're going to be able to like bring some club fees down or like offer some, something more, hire some more club coaches or something like that. Like more places. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, like we see that professional model of like a club 
in other sports. Like I'm sure that you grew up with soccer clubs as to the same as I do, where they run everything from like programs to sending kids to the, to the national team. Why can't we see that same model in, in volleyball? Yeah. And I think it, it's something that we definitely need to, we need to look at and study and be like, okay, what's the difference and why? Yeah. Um, just, I don't know. I think, I think it's definitely, it's, it starts with conversations. Right. And I think this is kind of when you messaged me, I was like, awesome. This is, this is the kind of stuff that we need to start doing, uh, to just make people realize that it, it could be better. It could be a lot better. And there's so much, I keep saying this to everybody. Like I'm, I'm excited. I'm genuinely like pumped about just the, the room for growth, right. And development for volleyball in Canada. I, there's to me, there's so much room, so much room, massive amounts of room. We're already doing all right. Right. And most categories, we're doing a really good job. We have some athletes like that are, that are making a name for themselves, right. And matching up with some other of the best athletes in the world. Right. But I, I, I think that, yeah, we could do, we could definitely do more. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, if, and, and, and I've kind of been on this soapbox for a while. I remember when I was in uh, Winnipeg back in 2019 for the Norseka Championships, I was talking to uh, Jared Brown, who runs the 204 Club, which is like the top boys club there. And he was like, you know, like, what do we need to be doing? And I was like, dude, like, you need to be starting a four-on-four league for your younger age groups, you know? And they have, the, like, like school and, like, middle school volleyball and, like, uh, is such a big thing in Winnipeg. And I think that you could definitely put that into you know those models where maybe you're just touching the ball once a week but it's better than not touching the ball at all right it's better than not knowing volleyball doesn't exist until you know your school teacher shows you with those rock hard wilson balls mm-hmm. yeah no for sure i fully fully agree now i, I want to change gears here uh real quick um to talk about uh, a conversation that you were a part of um recently it, it was a part of black history month and it was a part of uh, a bunch of young and they were all female black coaches uh from across canada so i'd really kind of kind of hear kind of about your take on on that conversation and kind of you know the role of women in color as coaches in the country mm-hmm. um first off, like the meeting for me was just kind of empowering, like sitting there with like a bunch of other people, like other awesome coaches that have made a difference for volleyball in Canada um, and sitting or not necessarily beside, but across um, from like Shanice Marcel, who I remember when I was a kid, I went to every single local Trinity Western UBC game. Like, and I'm not talking when they played each other. I'm talking like if they were home, I was there. If they were home, I was there. And I loved her. Right. And I, I didn't want to be a hitter. So it wasn't, it wasn't that right. It definitely was that I could look up to her and be like, she looks like me, you know? And it kind of gives you, it gives you that perspective where it's like, if she can do it, I can do it. Right. I loved her hair. I loved everything about her. And so to be on the, on the same call as her was kind of like, wow, this is kind of cool. Um, so in the beginning, to be honest, I was a little bit confused. I was like, are, are we going to just zoom and get to know each other and have like these empowering conversations? Is that what this is? Um, but it's definitely, it's more of a mentorship program. Um, and it's just, it's kind of community outreach. Um, for me here, like uh, we were just chatting about like, okay, so how many in, in a sport of volleyball, there's not that much color. It's just, it's a sport where there's not a ton. We were all talking about like, okay, have we all been the token black one on the team? Yes, we all have. Um, and so it's, it's kind of just recognizing that and kind of putting ourselves, um, back into our shoes when we were younger and thinking like, who do we look up to? Right. Um, so just recognizing that we're in that position now where younger athletes of color 
whether like color or not, look up to us, right? And we have a, a, an important role in their lives um, and in their development, just as athletes and as humans. Um, so yeah, it's been a really cool process. We had another meeting um, with, uh, it, was, it was all the volleyball coaches, so male and female. Uh, and we met up with kind of the head basketball side of it. And I think, yeah, it's just really just a community. It's because there's no, there's nothing to, um, there's no database for us, right? So now it's like if there, if there's a job posting for someone of color, they're looking for some kind of, you know, uh, diversity. We have a whole like there's everybody's there. There's some kind of database, which is kind of cool. Um, so it's definitely, yeah, it's it's been empowering for sure, and it's been, yeah, it's been. It was never something that I had kind of on my radar until they kind of reached out to me, which was really cool. Now you mentioned the whiteness of volleyball, and I 100% agree. Volleyball is very white. However, I do find that the past decade especially it that has been ch- changing drastically and i think you know like even t- looking at my personal experience when i played in the ova for example in 2010 very very white very overwhelmingly white like white socks white shoes like white sneakers type of white but then a couple years down the road we see all of these clubs and i mean my, my experience here in ontario is a, is a little bit different but clubs like pacman um or clubs like the Scarborough Titans, and we're starting to see that influx of color. And I've really found that that has upped the game quite a bit because they've just brought in different perspectives, different backgrounds, different sweat. Like they brought in a little bit of swag. I won't lie. Like you know, the drip on the court used to be very not. You know, it used to be st- just straight Asics and Mizuno. It wasn't looking good. And then you know, we brought a little color into the game, and now kids look good on the court. That's what it's all. No. I mean, look good, feel good, play good. Like I live, like it's an important thing. Yeah, it is important. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I've noticed it too. Like when I played, um, I had one teammate who was colored. We went to school together. We just played together um, throughout most of our club years and school years. Um, but just look at like, even we go to tournaments and we kind of look around and if there was another one, we like you also play. Um, but I think that, that, that community, and I think it's, it's just because it's because it's more exposed. We're seeing when I played, to be honest, I didn't know pro was really an option until Alicia Perrin went pro and I'm not that much younger than Alicia Perrin. <laughs> so, um, I think it's just an exposure, right? The social media we're seeing like your page, we're seeing colored athletes doing it. Right. Like shining we're seeing people doing it. So we're like, Alexa, Alicia Ogum. This is for us exactly this is that's the mentality where it's like we see ourselves there and we're like yeah okay this this sports for us too and i think that's kind of what's getting the engagement a little bit more at a younger age do you think that maybe part of the hesitance for maybe the reason that volleyball continues to be a white sport is because it's viewed as a white sport and maybe some people of color uh might like like look down on and maybe want to pick something like basketball or or football or or soccer Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely a factor. I think for me, we were chatting just a little bit on the zoom call, um, just about the expense of playing, right? I think that's a huge thing. I think if you look at soccer, for example, it's a lot cheaper. It's a cheaper sport. You can just go with your pops and play on the field. Uh, volleyball, I mean, you can play in your backyard, but if you really want to succeed at it, you're going to have to be in a gym. Mm -hmm. Um, you have to be surrounded by a number of other athletes. And so I think the costs 
it definitely are a factor. Um, this is this is part of the reason why I'm such a huge proponent about house leaks, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you can exactly. have that a low cost, where you can have someone who's like maybe that's a situation where they come in and you see how physically gifted they are, you see how much they love it, and that's an opportunity for a club to step in and be like, hey, look, we know that you love this. Maybe we can help you out somewhere. Maybe you can come back and help us coach these younger programs, and that can help pay for your club your club fees. When there's a will, there's a way. Right. Uh, yeah. I think and like we see that we'll see someone step in the gym and be like, okay, you, you got it. Like, what can we do to support you? If you can't be in here every week training, you know, um, are there other, is there a trade-off? Like we, we're lucky enough to have a facility. We can run things whenever we want to. Um, and so it like, is there a trade-off? Is there another option? Can you help us? We can help you. And then even what you said before, just the numbers, okay, well, 45 kids in a gym, you're obviously going to bring in some revenue can you use some of that revenue to help some families that can't afford it? So I, th I think to me, that's the biggest, that's the biggest part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, I grew up playing in Ottawa, and if you know anything about Ottawa volleyball, you know that the best volleyball players come from the poorest part of town, right? And they come from one of the lowest income areas in, um, in Ottawa. And so that you're going to play Ottawa, you're going to have a few kids in your team who come from a rough place. Um, not many people know this, but Stephen Harper's son actually played volleyball. And mm -hmm. he went to Glashen, and basically they ended up supporting a whole bunch of kids throughout their entire club career. Like some of whom, a bunch of whom who went to go play university, a bunch of whom who went to go play, play club and like... I've seen how much of an impact someone and I like I had kids on my team who the same thing same way too you know like I 100% remember like the, the the token black kid on my team was was O'Shane Clark and I remember him coming to stay at my house and I I was no by you know very modest means that I grew up with and seeing how he reacted and it was just a very big wake-up call that like dude like you and I come from very different different places right now and you know mm -hmm my focus on volleyball isn't and my like me making it my number one priority might not be the same thing for you even though you are so good mm -hmm. like you can't afford to make it your your top priority yeah, person 100%. Yeah. I, and i still remember like the ignorance of some of the player like some of the players parents and being like well you know to me it's weird that like he has a cell phone but you know he can't afford to pay for volleyball and stuff like that and just like being like like listening to this and being like holy shit like i'm young and I, and even i know that this is wrong what you guys are talking about yeah exactly I, and i think too that like like sport is such like like the dressing room is such like an equalizing place you know it's such a place to like learn about people it's such a it's such a place to kind of like bring down walls and bring down barriers and i think it's like super important that you know if you have like for our teams to be as almost like as homogenous as yeah no not homogenous isn't that the same as 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 different as 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 different as, as possible. Yeah, that exposure. Yeah, no, I feel, I I agree, and I think like we had just one experience um, the other week where we had a couple athletes that were like, "Oh, where's this kid been? Where's this kid been? Where's why are they not at practice?" I'm like, "Okay, let me handle this, guys. You you never know what's going on in that person's life. You have no idea what is going on with those athletes' lives that are not here right now. Like, I bet you they would want to be." if they could be, especially during COVID. I've had so many parents message me just being like, our practice is still on. That's the only thing my kid looks forward to, right? So I'm like, they would be here if they could be, right? So we need to kind of just remember always, like we don't know what's going on in people's lives. I think it's always a good reminder. So is, is coaching like your, is it your full-time gig now? Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah. And is that what you're going to be doing full time? Because I'm like, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that. I think we need, need more people like you, but more women like you kind of like on the ground doing the work in, in, in the community. So I, I think that's great. Yeah, no, I, yeah, there was a lot kind of going on for me just last summer. And then this job kind of popped up and I, I told you, I was like, listen, I, I've kind of been won over. I, I did at the time I was convinced I was going to play one more year. And that one more year was to be honest, going to be just so my family could come to Europe. And then COVID kind of hit and that kind of day didn't really plan out. Mm-hmm. Um, but this place won me over. Right. And I think, yeah, it was just, it was kind of like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I had been coaching. Um, I'd done a lot of club stuff. I had helped out with our Trinity Western Spartan camps. Um, and I'd worked kind of, um, well, summer in the, at the Oval and um, for their camps and their private lessons. And I, oh, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't the same. The fire, the, it just, I, the fire had not been lit yet. And I think now it's kind of like, I'm passionate about this. Like I really, like I'll, I'll, like yesterday I was here probably until eight o'clock and I think I went home and edited video until midnight just for fun. Like <laughs> I really, I do enjoy it. Like it's just yeah. for fun. eh? I feel like, I feel extremely, I do feel extremely lucky that I'm 25 and I've found something that I, I love. I, I, I definitely feel you there is like coaching university, like uh, on your, on your prospects or are you just kind of going with the flow and figuring it as you go? Well, it's been, yeah. I like, I remember at the beginning when I first got this job, Dave kind of asked like, okay, so what's your favorite number like to coach? Like, do you like eight? Do you like 12? Do you like 16? Like, what's your favorite number? And I was like, Hmm, I don't know. Or like, what's your favorite? Do you like positional camps? Do you like just like high performance? Do you like young? And I was like, I don't know. For the last like six months, I've been kind of figuring that out. Um, and I definitely, I do like the development side of it. I don't think all coaches love the development side of volleyball. A lot of us will teach the game, um, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but I think for me, I do love the development side of it. I think it's, that's important at the young ages. It's also important to older ages. Um, but I, I definitely, there is a little piece of me that misses the team. Yeah. I, I talked to Dave about this. It's been conversations like, how can I get a team? I can't really be associated with clubs. I won't be associated with clubs. I'm just volleyball. Um, how can I have a team? And so it, it's been a discussion. Like, are there any local teams that I can help out with? Or So it's something, I don't know. I, right now, the focus is here. That, I'm not going to lie. It's all here. Um, but yeah, I hope that sometime in the future, it could look something like kind of just throwing a an all-star team together in the summer and going somewhere. That could be my team. So I think... Yeah, right now I've, I've replaced it with playing soccer. <laughs> so I still have that fix of a team. Um, but yeah, I definitely I definitely would like to have a team eventually. But that's, that's, right now, that's interesting. How about this? You coach a team. I'll, you coach Team Vancouver. I'll coach a team here in, in, in Toronto. And we'll, you know, we'll both stay separate from clubs and then we'll meet up in the middle and like Winnipeg or something. Have a, have a good old battle. We'll live, live stream it, you know. Love it. Let's yeah. do it. We'll get. We'll, we'll, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure Dave. Dave can help us finance it too. It'll be great. He'll probably be like, can we do it tomorrow? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm sure we wouldn't even need to get, meet in the middle because Dave would love to have it at the volley box. I, I, I need COVID to end, or I need a reason to come to Vancouver so I can come check out the volley box. Hey, our doors are always open for you. Yeah, I'll be. I, I'm sure you're just you know a few six thousand kilometers away. Yeah. Little track. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, I just kind of want to talk about. We, we haven't talked about it yet, but I do want to talk about your national championship run uh, mm-hmm. because it was here in Toronto, and yeah. I had the extreme pleasure of commentating it. 
And it's always great because when, every now and again, Trinity Western will put out these little snippets from from that run, and it's always my voice on it. And it just it 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 was good times, and I, I enjoyed watching you guys play that weekend. Yeah, there. <laughs> I remember that there was kind of a moment in the final where it was like, we got this, and, and it was. I'm gonna tell you right now, we were down two zero. Uh, so we had to come back and win three in a row. And it was during the deficit where that kind of clicked. I think it was in the third set where we just were like, we were hot. Everything we did was good. Um, and I think, yeah, in that moment, we kind of like, we had a huddle at one point. It was just like, we kind of looked at each other's eyes like, this is our game. We just have to take it. We just have to, we just have to perform. Um, and so there was a lot of confidence. There was a lot, definitely a lot of confidence. And I think that's important. Um, and good confidence, not the bad kind. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it was... For me, I was in my second year. Um, so I really had kind of like just found my rhythm a little bit. Like I, my first year, I kind of played 50-50, I would say. Even up to nationals, I really didn't know who was going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second year, um, our other setter had hurt her back a little bit. Um, I think I had sprained my ankle the second game of the season. And so I was playing on a sprained ankle the whole season. Like the next game, the next night was just football tape. My dad was like, you're good, football tape. Uh I, I demanded perfect passes for a while, so I think that might have helped. <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty immobile. <laughs> our second ball setting got a little bit better because our libero had to help out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was an experience for sure. Like I really, I think honestly, the Can West was the first glimpse of winning mm-hmm. for Trinity Western. We had never won Can West before. Um, we had never won Nationals before, but that was our first glimpse of winning. And when we won that, it was like okay, if we do this and we're doing it in Can West, which is pretty prestigious, we can do this at nationals. And we did the exact same thing. <laughs> it, it was, that was such a slugger of a, of, of a team. Like I, Sophie Carpentier, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Alicia Perrin, Ellie Wendell. Um, yeah. it, it was, it was, and I still remember all of the sellies you guys had on the beat the, on the bench too. Sorry. What'd you say there? I said, Ellie, Ellie Wendell made defense easy. <laughs> Her and Alicia Perrin, Katie Devaney, like I, People said I was good at defense, but did you see the block I had in front of me? That 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 was a, <laughs> a very very big block. But it seemed like you know, looking at your bench, and I mean, whenever those highlight packages comes up, it's always like me talking about the bench. It seemed like you guys as a squad were so tight, and it seemed like that's very it's very indicative of Trinity Western squads, whether it's on the men and the women's side. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I talk a lot. We talk a lot about Trinity Western men on the, on this show, obviously because they they win as much as they do. But the women are just you know just as good last year that both the men and win, w- w- woman won and won again. Um, so what, what is so special about that program? Because we've got quite a few good, ta- good, quite a blah, 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 blah. Second podcast of the day, it's getting a little bit long here, but there's quite a bit of talent that has come out of that, that uh, Trinity Western women's program. Mm-hmm. And I think for the, the bench side of it, it's just, it's realizing you got to stay engaged the whole time. Right. You, you have to recognize that at any point you can be thrown on the court and the best way to stay engaged is to be cheering and pumping your teammates up and be involved in the game. Right. Cause you do see those games where there's a separation between the starting six and the six that are off. Um, so just kind of div- like essentially trying to get those two to mesh as much as you can is important. And I think we did a really good job of it that year. And I think they've, they've kind of carried it over through the last five as well. Um, and just kind of having that, that camaraderie between the people that are playing and the people that are on the bench right now. 
Um, and we also, we had a bunch of subs that were coming in and out. Like we had Carly Hamilton that was going in and out to serve a bunch and play for Royal in the back row. Uh, Rachel Flink, who was in and out of the game. Like there were, there were a number uh, of girls from the sideline that were actually seeing the court in the final. And that helps. That always helps. Um, but yeah, I think it's just recognizing that engagement is important. And like, even for me, like I, in my sports career, I didn't spend a ton of time on the bench. If you were to throw me on the bench, I wouldn't know how to be there. Right. But it, it really, it's a part of the game that's, it's a part of the game that's really important. Right. And I don't think we take it, like, we don't take it seriously enough, but we, we kind of made it um, a goal that year. Like how, how are we going to stay in tune? I want the people on the bench. My, my backup setter needs to be giving me information. Right. They need to be watching the game. Like, Nick, you have a free dump. Okay. Every time you do this, they release to four. You should be sending two. Right. This person's one-on-one. Katie's open in the middle every time. Feed her. Like, that communication, I think, is also important. So we had a ton of that. Anytime we come off the bench, you communicate with your with the person that was uh, kind of would replace you, um, and then it'd be a team meeting. There was always that interaction between athletes, and I think that again, that with cheering and getting involved is was essential. Was that athlete winning. driven? Or was that coach driven? Like, was that like a mandate that you know, like Ryan and the coaching staff t- talked about at the beginning of the season, or was that something that you guys developed amongst yourselves? I think it was addressed pretty early on. Um, just like, Hey, this needs to be better. How can we make it better? And then it was a team effort just to, okay, well on the sideline, I feel this. And like, of course it sucks to be on this. You want to be on court. Okay. Well, how can we make you feel like you're on the court? How can we make you feel like you're a part of this, like winning this championship? Um, cause that was always the end goal. Right. And I think that's a huge difference that I found between playing, uh, university college or playing professionally was that the, the goal at college was I want to win for my teammates. I want, I, want to, I want to win the title. I don't care about the accolades. I don't even know what I got in university. It really, like, when I got MVP at that tournament, I had no idea what I got. I literally was on the outline, and I heard my name, and I was like, somebody, what happened? Like, I didn't even know there was MVP. It wasn't on my radar, you know? Um, yeah, and I think when you go overseas, it kind of, it does definitely change. It becomes a little bit more of a career. <laughs> um, the focus kind of shifts. But for sure, there it was like, I just want to win for my teammates. Do you think in some ways that university volleyball is like peak volleyball? You said peak volleyball? Peak, like, you know, like the best volleyball. No. No? Not here. Fair. But like even in terms of like like me watching the NCAA and stuff like that, like I like watching the NCAA and U sports sometimes more than I like watching women's like women's and men's pro volleyball. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And I think the that might be it. like at the women's level. I can literally speak to the women's, but um just because like the the length of the rallies last a little bit longer at the, the higher levels it's like you're gonna get some that's why like for me personally i love watching the women's game because i love rallies mm-hmm. men's game there's a little bit less sorry less rallying going on so it's a little bit less entertaining and engaging um from my perspective but yeah i think i think that might be a factor in why as to like, it's like, oh, this is actually more fun to watch college university athletes play than pro. Or it might just be the, the fact that you're all in it together, right? And there's a, there's a piece of that that you see on the court where it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm in this for you versus pro. It does change a little bit. Here's, it's funny that you, you bring that up because I, do you think maybe it's because of the sub rule in the NCAA? And like, I actually think that this is like a, a thing that we should be looking at in, in, in women's volleyball specifically, or not specifically, especially in women's volleyball, maybe even in, in men's volleyball as well too, that like the best product that we have is NCAA women's volleyball. 
and that there's a big significant difference in the, 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 the number of subs that they're allowed and that the allowance of that double sub rule where you're out at adding more uh, defensive specialists so you're going to prolong rallies you're going to uh, bring up ball control but you're also allowing your your top hitters to have a little bit of rest just like we see in basketball just like we see in 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 football or, or hockey you know and volleyball is an anaerobic sport you're, you're supposed to be explosive so for me I think that if we started looking at changing the sub rule to an NCAA model, we might see that prolongation of rally and maybe up the excitement level in the international pro game. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of pros that would come out of that, like positive things that would come out of it. Um, and the first is just the, I don't know, I feel like that it adds something new to the game when someone new comes on. Right. Versus watching the same six, you know what you're going to get, you know what to expect. A new one comes on, you're like, oh, what's she good at? You know? Um, and I think it's also playing into people's strengths, right? That I think, yeah, it would make the game better. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you're going to throw on a defensive specialist who's going to dig up every ball, like you said, and keep the rallies going and just make it that much more entertaining. Um, I also think for the, the, the sake of a team, you're getting more athletes on the court. 100%. And I, right? I think that division between like in volleyball there's very much like in in basketball we'll talk about like the starting you know you've got the starting five but then you've got like you know you've got a bench that's nine deep in volleyball there's very much that division other than like a double sub or like a a, a, you know a defensive rotation it's so hard to get people in right i think it would just allow such more free-flowing play if we allowed more subs to bring more people in and out and uh you know allow more space with that is that we found like a trinity as well. Like you'd have your starting six play against your, your bench. Right. And it'd be, it'd be hard to be challenged on, on the starting side. Um, and I think like, if you're getting those people in the game, they're going to have confidence. They're going to bring it to practice. The practice is going to get better. Volleyball is going to get better. So I think, yeah, it's a whole, like it's, it's just cycle. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I think that getting more people on the court would definitely, we also saw it at Trinity where like, if you don't play for three, four years, you're kind of like, ah, this sucks. You know, like how do we keep people engaged? How do we keep them wanting to play and put in how many hours a week, a day to train? Mm -hmm. We had a bunch that went through their full four or five years and didn't see the court. Mm -hmm. But if had they seen it in their first year and developed that confidence, right. Then they over the next four years and just become, yeah. 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 hundred percent. And I, I mean, we were talking about it. I thought I'd bring it up with you because you're a smart person and I respect your opinion on any of these things. So, and you, and you said the right answers too. So thank you. If you hadn't said the right answers, I would have cut that part and not, not posted it. Okay. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking, obviously. Well, dude, um, we're getting to the end here. That's kind of like the list, my list of questions. Is there anything that you want to break up that I, I didn't touch on? You're like, man, I really want to talk about this. I am curious. It's a conversation I've been having a little bit more just in the volleyball world um, about like what we think about athletes going to play in the States. There's a lot of coaches that I've spoken to that are like, no, Canada, Canada, Canada. Some people are like, no, go to the States, go to the States, go to the States. Where do you sit? Um, first off, I had this exact conversation with Jen Cross yesterday on my podcast with her. And I can guess Pardon? I said, I, I can guess where she sits. Actually, she had a very, very good answer. And Ooh. it's very much my answer as well, too. I think that certain athletes thr- will thrive in the States and that there is no denying that the States is going to give you a different experience. And I have no problem saying that the States is probably going to give you a more high performance experience if that is what you're looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. 
you aren't going to get the you aren't going to be able to get a full ride just based off of volleyball going to a university school right that's a canadian school that that's the the first and foremost so for some athletes you know we're talked about the accessibility for some athletes they can only go to the states right because they can't afford to pay that other half of 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 their their tuition here mm-hmm. um and I think that if you have the opportunity to go to a school like a Stanford or a Nebraska or like, you know, a Pac-12, a Big Ten, like one of these big programs, I think the NCAA is the best proving ground, bar none, for, for volleyball in the world uh, on the women's side. I think, you know, on the men's side, youth sports may be just as good as, as the NCAA, but like that's what that's between you and me. Um, now, I, I fully agree with you and all that you and Jen will put Jen in there. Right. However, I do definitely agree that it's not for everyone and mm-hmm. that if you, you know, there is, it's, it's, it's a different culture and a different experience than what we're used to here in Canada. And you have to be very, very much ready for it. But also is that like, I don't think, like, I think if, I don't think necessarily like just going D1 is necessarily better than going to U sports, you know? Mm-hmm. And even if you're going to one of those top schools, it's like, what type of experience are you going to have? What type of athlete are you? And Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I do know in the past, and this is going back a while, that there was like a strict no NCAA policy for the women's national team. Like I have friends of mine who, you know, are a little bit older now who went and played at places like Purdue and then went and go played in Italy professionally and were never even given a sniff at the women's national team, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I, I understand that, but... I think that it's more so, it's really what's best for you, but I think in general, the, the U sports is a much more viable option than people think, and especially recently, like the quality of coaching that is coming in, like the young coaches that we have coming into U sport are just making it, making it better, and we're only getting stronger. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I agree with what you guys kind of both think, kind of you paraphrasing her as well. Um, for me, I think... That like every obviously every every athlete's writing their own story. Like it's going to be different. You can't just tell everybody, "Hey, you should go here. You should go here." It's it's different for every individual athlete. For me personally, I definitely have taken on a little bit of a challenge in kind of what you mentioned before. Can I prepare them for that? Because I think as as coaches here, we have a responsibility to prep them for that level and that intensity. I don't think we do enough a good enough job of that. I think we are a majority of us are very Canadian coaches. We're all very nice. We're all very hundred percent. Yeah. So I think for me, it's definitely like, I I agree with you guys. Like, I think that, um, yeah, the, the NCAA D one D two, like it's strong. It's obviously strong. That's where, that's where I think we should be kind of aiming and that's what we should be prepping for. And if it, it's not to say that you sports bad, you sports. Awesome. Kira Van Rijk, Kira Van Rijk, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So I think yourself (laughs) from a coaching perspective, like I think regardless of where they want to go or what they end up doing, can I do my part to prep them for the highest level for college? Absolutely. And I, I mean, I have this, this conversation and I mean, like if, if you look at what some of the top kids at, six like 16 17 18 years old and i know this is a little bit weird because we've went started the conversation at like minis and and you know not high performance and now and now we're back to the high performance but like in you know 
I don't think, and it's weird because we focus so much on high performance, but we don't necessarily do as much as other sports are doing in those high performance settings, right? If you look at a top recruit for volleyball at 16 years old versus a top recruit for hockey at 16 years old, two vastly different things, right? Like the volleyball kid might still be just doing two practices a week for for, for two hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it definitely, there needs to be a system for them. Right. Those ones that we how like how can we support you? How can we make you better? Like we recognize that you have the potential to support our national team, support volleyball in Canada. Right. And I think um, that kind of preparation, like when we think about like going to university, whether it be in U- the United States or here, the way I see it is like if we prep them and kind of get more involvement in those younger ages, um, kind of like hockey or other sports, um, and they do go to the States, it's going to make Canada better. Like, I think they're going to come back and make, I look at all, all the, all our team Canada girls that are, have played in the States. They are now back here making volleyball better. They go overseas. We come back, we make it better. So. Yeah. And I mean, like for me, like part of that conversation is, is it partly because of how late we start, right? Because when I was playing rep soccer at U10, I had already been playing soccer for six years. You know, when I like, when I was trying out, pardon there's almost not enough time to kind of get those things just cramped. Right. Yeah, Whereas in start. volleyball, if you start at 14, you do, I like, have I been in the sport long enough at that point to realize kind of what's in my future? Like, and mm-hmm. that's why I think if we're getting these kids in younger at ages six, you know, six, seven, eight years old. And once mm-hmm. they hit 12, you, you know, once at that 17 or 16 new age, they've already been playing for a decade. That level of, of not commitment, but like drive might be higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Just just to tie it back all together, because I think I think we're both in agreement here that focusing on like, you know, the the grassroots development uh, should be a priority of this country. I would really like to see Carrie McDonald. I know you listen to my shit, so uh, I, I want to see you kind of work work on this stuff, James mm-hmm. Dedden, You too, buddy. Everybody, it's team effort. Really, is a team effort. It, it, it is. It is a team effort, and this is like. Once we get on, this is why I'd love to see it. I'd be like a mandate from like Volleyball Canada or like a provincial association where being like, hey guys, let's focus on, you know, who's going to create the best developmental system because guess what? We're already winning high performance, right? We are already like our best club players. Like I fully believe at like the club level, like our best players can go against the best players in the States, right? They may have on the women's side, they have quite a few more girls playing for than us just based off of population but like at that level like i i think if you break it down at that level like we could go go as good at like player for player we go for them they just have more of them yeah yeah we're outnumbered for sure and we always we will be 100%. That's the, yeah but yeah no definitely starting younger ages it, it's gonna it's gonna file through everything we've talked about we just do a better job and like you're saying like with volleyball canada can we give us a template it would help and I think like, not to say you have to follow it, not to say we would follow it, but it would be nice to have a template because the only time you really hear from Volleyball Canada is at nationals or when they want you to try out for NEP they want you. or the, like the, the youth programs. Like it's, it, yeah, we don't, they don't do anything for the younger age groups. And it's even more frustrating when I watch the Raptors and when you watch, you know, like Bianca uh, in tennis and like in the, the ads, like basketball Canada is promoting like mini basketball tennis Canada is promoting mini tennis like they are not only are they actively doing it but they're actively promoting it on a large platform we have Mel and Sarah winning world championships how many kids is that turning into mini volleyball Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And promoting promoting is a huge thing. Like you, your account, like what you do is you're doing more than volleyball Canada. I think you could you could ask a lot of a lot of parents that come through this facility. And you'd be like, hey, ask them a question. Where does volleyball Canada train for women's? I would be shocked if like one out of ten knew it was in Richmond. Trust me, ask ask a bunch of kids in Ottawa about the men's team, and they wouldn't be able to know too. It's just across the road, uh, across the river in Gatineau. You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating for me when um, the Serbian national team comes to Ottawa for Nations League and they're there one weekend and the Serbian community has um, a, a whole event set up for them and they go and they meet the community and the men's national team hasn't been able to do that once uh, with the, the community in Ottawa. Or the women's national team has never been, like, other than, like, a few, like, little barbecues here and there before, like, red and white. Like, you know, how many times have we done, have, have they been able to do, like, outreach programs with, like, clubs or schools or whatever in the area? Yes, yeah, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is thank you for doing what you do because we need we need that. I we mean, need you. I do it. I do it because I have fun with it, and I get to talk to amazing people like you. So you know that's the that's the benefit for me. <laughs> hey, but we appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. Appreciate uh, it. <laughs> appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> well, I I mean that that was great. I really appreciate you coming on and, and chatting about me or chatting about me. Now it's getting to my head. See, this is why I didn't want you to, you know, thank me like that, um, chatting with me about this because, and I definitely think that we should con- continue this conversation. Maybe not next week, but kind of, uh, kind of in the future because I think it's definitely a very, very important to, to one to have. And I have to say that, like, the kids in Vancouver are so lucky to have so- someone like you. Like, I can feel how infectious your love for coaching is through Instagram, and I'm on the other side of the country, so like. I, I, I absolutely love that. And you know what? Like, I hope that if like, if you are, it, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or, or a man, a girl or a boy. And if you're thinking about coaching, like do it, I promise you, it'll be the best thing that you, that you've ever done. Especially if you're a mediocre athlete like me, you will love it. Super rewarding. Yeah. Super rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, yes, absolutely. Guys, that was, that was very blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's, it's this is number number two of the day and my mouth is is not working as well guys thank you very much uh to uh, vanessa cornwall once again uh calling in from the volley box in uh just outside of vancouver bc great conversation today about kind of development and just a whole bunch of bunch of stuff so vanessa thank you very much that was great no problem thank you or, or nikki is it nikki or, or vanessa vanessa's legal nikki's like because you know. I okay, that's that's why the okay. You know what screwed me up though is because you changed your name on Instagram to Coach Cornwall. Huh? Yeah, and so I was like, I thought her name was Nikki, and then I looked you up on 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 Volleybox, and then it said Vanessa, and I was just like, okay, I guess it's Vanessa. Even like games when I started at Trinity, it was always Vanessa. My parents, I didn't hear it when I play. I wouldn't even like. I didn't really pay attention. My parents were always like, you need to change that. I'm like, change what? <laughs> but it doesn't really. Right. Anything. I, I got to go back to the beginning of this podcast now and change it. All right, Nikki, thank you very much. We will talk to you again soon. Have a great uh-huh. rest of the day. Guys, thanks again. Peace. Bye. Uh-huh.